0: This is the Behind the Line Podcast, and this is Pacific Northwest Headline News for Tuesday, May 10th, 2022. Well, we all remember the summer of love just a couple short years ago in the CHOP zone of Seattle's Capitol Hill. Well, the city of Seattle has agreed to pay $200,000 in a series of reforms to settle a Public Records Act lawsuit filed by the Seattle Times over former Mayor Jenny Durkin's missing text messages and other PRA-related issues. Times had requested a bunch of records related mainly to see how the city was responding to protests in the wake of George Floyd's killing in Minneapolis. They were trying to see how the city's police force was dealing with protesters on the streets and whether they were using force appropriately or limiting the use of their force appropriately. The other was trying to find out who was making decisions both tactical and strategic about the CHOP protest zone. But the Times ran into a brick wall trying to get the records released to them, and there were many delays, many rejections, which they felt were in violation of the law. Then they also discovered by getting certain records through other parties that the city officials had claimed they didn't have responsive records, when in fact those records did exist. This is how they discovered there were quite a few missing text messages written by the mayor and the police chief, Carmen Best. The city would not concede to the way it was phrased in the lawsuit in terms of flagrant violations. They, in fact, say they don't have liability for these things, but they did acknowledge that they need to put together better procedures. The city will be implementing software citywide that will archive things like text messages and other data. They will also make sure that all city issued phones are set to retain text messages which had not been done across the board, and in fact we saw a completely inconsistent, almost helter-skelter method of the city. It was hard to even tell which end was up, and that's why they could never get to the bottom of how these text messages mysteriously went, went missing because the systems were just not in order, the Times said. The city also agreed to no longer unreasonably delay releasing records because of some internal review processes. Times found in the course of discovery in this case that some records it was decided that legally they should be released but then they would put them through a public relations type of screening for sensitive information which is illegal and we suspected that was going on but this case confirmed that and led to months many months of delay in some cases the city has now agreed to stop doing that the Times says. Other details revealed during the lawsuit shed light on what exactly happened to Durkin's text. She apparently dropped her phone in Puget Sound at an undisclosed beach where she has a cabin. Uh, The Times made a lot of excuses about that, but they say it's very possible that was done unintentionally. Give me a break. This is just the typical corruption, politicians feeling they're above the law or having to answer to anybody else about anything they do. The lawsuit also led to the discovery that former Seattle Police Chief Carmen Best regularly deleted her text messages as well. Public officials are not stupid. Well, they are, but they know better than this, and so it was intentional. This report was from my Northwest, Hannah Scott. And in another win for corrupt politicians along the same course, a U.S. District Court judge has denied a class action certification to the group of Capitol Hill property owners suing the city of Seattle over alleged endorsement of the Capitol Hill organized protest, CHOP, the area around Cal Anderson Park that was abandoned by the East Precinct following protests over the murder of George Floyd. Plaintiffs allege that they suffered numerous economic and non-economic injuries as a result of the city's actions, including reduced property values, extensive property damage, reduced access to emergency services, public safety dangers, exposure to excessive noise, and an inability to use and access their property. The judge says the plaintiffs ultimately failed to meet several criteria to reach class action certification. A commonality within the judge's reasoning was the differences among the accusations and damage descriptions the individual plaintiffs are leveling against the city. The 17 plaintiffs will now file a joint status report to identify the next steps for case management. Police in Kaiser, Oregon are searching for a person suspected of throwing two Molotov cocktails at the Oregon Right to Life building in Kaiser on Sunday night after an unsuccessful attempt to break in. The anti-abortion organization said in a press release that a person used incendiary devices, one of which exploded and caught the building on fire. Kaiser detectives and an arson investigator are investigating. This is after pro-abortion groups called for a week of action beginning on Mother's Day, telling pro-abortion groups and people to target churches and other pro-life groups. A former freelance journalist is accused of setting fire to a mosque and vandalizing a synagogue and Jewish community center in Portland and will be allowed to post bail, a judge ruled Monday. Michael E. Bivens was arraigned on 10 counts Monday, five charges of committing second-degree bias crime, four charges of criminal mischief, and one charge of first-degree arson, which the prosecutor said is not being treated as a Measure 11 offense. Multnomah County prosecutors alleged Bivens targeted the Houses of Worship because he was motivated by prejudice. Bivens approached a KPTV reporter last Wednesday and said he committed the crime, showing the reporter a hammer and ice pick he said he had used to break windows, according to a source at the television station. The station employee quoted Bivens as saying, I'm not going to stop. Prosecutors called for him to have a bail set at 75000 while Bivens' attorney argued for 5000 noting that Bivens has long-time ties to the city and no previous criminal record. The judge ultimately set bail at 45000 and ordered Bivens to stay at least 150 feet away from all three religious buildings. Are you kidding me? This dude said. He said he wasn't going to stop. And yet, let's put him back out on the street and see what happens? And moving on to California, this is an article from the New York Times. The findings of a blistering state audit of law enforcement agencies are reverberating across the state and raising questions about the next steps for lawmakers and police officials in California. The report found bias among officers at five agencies and determined the departments had not done enough to prevent it, raising concerns that the state has not provided enough oversight. The auditor found multiple examples of troubling behavior that included social media posts and conversations between officers that mocked transgender people, women, Latinos, black people, and immigrants. This audit, which compared the officers to the Ku Klux Klan, covered Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, San Bernardino, San Jose, and Stockton Police Departments, and the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitations. In reviewing 450 officers' public social media accounts, state auditors found that 17 had promoted biased content on their public social media accounts, including six officers who supported far-right hate groups like the Proud Boys and Three Percenters. There are 121,000 law enforcement officers in the state of California as of 2017. And we're worried about six officers, or 17, that promoted biased content. In any group of people that size, you are going to have people that do things like this, the bad apples. There's no way to weed them all out in a group that size. Yes, the behavior is unacceptable, but you can't say that this is a scathing report against all police officers in California. That's very, very misleading. This has been Pacific Northwest Headline News. For more, visit BehindTheLinePodcast.com. Thanks for listening.